Thank you, brother. Hold on to that. If you want to. What about old Ernest? Those were some uh, those were some high fluting words he had to say. Uh, I always have uh, trouble with that passage, so I got somebody else to read it this today. No, we uh, we want to. We really want to highlight, uh, like Heidi said in children's time, uh, the gifts of the body. So we are going to be calling on more and more people to read uh, God's Word. So very thankful for, for Ernest today and, uh, and also all of you. So if you read or if you listened, that was in Acts 2. Uh, and that time was called Pentecost. Now before we get to talking about Pentecost... Uh, those of you who don't know, we have started this series in this new year, and we're calling it Spirit-Filled. Spirit-Filled. So it's a focus on the Holy Spirit through the book of Acts. And we've gotten through Acts 1, and now we're in Acts 2. But why would we do this, this Spirit-Filled? And I do, I want to say this, I want to plead with y'all, because we need it. We need a Spirit-Filling. Now, this does not differentiate. I I don't want to confuse you by like, well, don't I have the Spirit if I'm a Christian? Yes, but a a Spirit filling uh, is different, as we're going to see. You know, you could take it from the things, the, the, the problems, the challenges in life. You know, I'm going to a funeral today, uh, right after church. Uh, it's my third funeral in a week, uh, which... I hope all weeks don't look like this uh, in the rest of the year. But I think about the death of loved ones and and how we uh, both move into the grieving and move past the grieving. Uh, There are natural resources at our disposal. Uh, Whether you realize it or not, you are a natural resource as a friend or family member of a loved one. I I hope to be today a natural resource uh, for family members who... Or suffering the loss of a loved one. But there is something that many of us miss out on. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit. There is this supernatural resource. Uh, And not only, I I miss out on it. Okay, I mean, I was convicted in the fall that I need to be more spirit-filled. And that doesn't mean uh, being loud or being more worshipful. Sometimes it may mean being softer. Uh, It definitely means being more prayerful and calling upon the resource of God. Like, how how are you filled by the Spirit? I mean, I don't know much, but all I do know is you pray for it. And so, as we move through this year, I'm going to ask us, call on us, beg us uh, to pray for a Spirit-filled body and Spirit-filled lives. And we we got the natural resources kind of down pat. I mean, uh, they're gifts, and we'll highlight the gifts of different people, but those that we have natural bodies and natural minds, and those are natural gifts. And what I'm trying to point to you is God's word is, even though it's natural too in the writing, it's a supernatural resource, but the supernatural resource of the Holy Spirit. And we see this most, I believe, see it all through Scripture, but it's really, really highlighted in this book of Acts. And that's why we're going to be going through the book of Acts. And it's really, really highlighted in Acts 2 which we're only looking at part of it today, but when the Holy Spirit comes down in full and in fullness of what we call, and the church has always called, Pentecost. 
Now, I'll tell you a little bit about Pentecost before talking about uh, what it was like, what it means for us. Pentecost uh, literally happened on, now, this is interesting, you know, learn something new every week. It happened on this festival for the Jews, the festival of the harvest. Now, I don't know if that relates or shoots any light bulbs off in you, but, you know, Jesus said the harvest is plenty and the workers are few. And by the end of Acts 2, 3,000 people uh, came to know Christ, believe in Christ, and the church grew uh, exponentially, uh, rapidly in one day. So they went from 12 and now to 120 when they start off, and by the end of this chapter, there are 3,000 believers in Christ. So it happened on this day of harvest celebration, and the harvest uh, was being built up. Pentecost also, it signified something that had been done, something that had not been done, and something that was needed, something that had been done, was the crucifixion, the cross of Christ. How we're all saved, let me be clear, we're all saved by Jesus' work on the cross, believing in that. So that had happened, but what had not happened yet was that the church had not begun. And it began here, and the only way it began was by the Holy Spirit empowering the church body. So here we see the birth of the church. Uh, everything that we do, everything we've done, everything uh, any church has done throughout the last 2,000 years, it began here at Pentecost. And it's signifying there's something that has been done. Jesus has been crucified, raised from the dead, but something not done yet. The church has not been formed yet, and the Holy Spirit has to come and form the church. Now, Jesus said that he would send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to put a verse up on screen, John 14, 26. This was uh, in what's believed to be the the same room, the room of the Last Supper. Jesus told his disciples, but the Counselor, it's a name for the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. You know, Jesus emphasized this, this sending of the Holy Spirit that he would return to heaven, sit at the right hand of the Father. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. And would send the Holy Spirit down on earth for his church, for his church body, for us, for you and me, for those supernatural resources. He even says, this verse is not on the screen, but John 16, 7, he says, it's better that I leave you so that I send the Holy Spirit, which I've always thought of as, as crazy. But Jesus said it, so it's, It's definitely legit and valid. He said, it's better that I go, so I will send you the Holy Spirit. So the harvest was coming. And then it's important for you all to realize that this Holy Spirit, it is the Spirit of Christ. Okay? Like, the Holy Spirit doesn't do the work. The Holy Spirit wasn't on the cross. And we can talk Trinity, God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. How do I know that? You read Romans 8. And it talks about the Spirit of God being within you, and that is the Spirit of Christ. So what this Holy Spirit does, let me make it clear, it's clear to me. It's like a floodlight. It's a floodlight shining on the work of Jesus. So we're not saved by the Holy Spirit, we're saved by Jesus' work. But the Holy Spirit, who is God here with us now, shines that light, hopefully in churches, but more hopefully in your heart, on the work of Jesus Christ done for you, for me, for all. So the reason the Holy Spirit is here is to shine that floodlight on Jesus. So the Holy Spirit honors Jesus. The Holy Spirit lifts up Jesus. 
Holy Spirit does not compete with Jesus. He's saying it's all about Jesus. And this is what was going on and what we read about. That now these disciples had this new light, this new revelation, this new knowledge of what Jesus had done for them and who they were. Now, what was it like? This is, to be honest, this is crazy. Uh, this is highly, highly supernatural stuff. Uh, some folks love this stuff. Some folks really question this stuff. But I truly believe that it happened. I believe it was literal. So let's just break it down real quick. What, what was this time like Pentecost? What was it like? What was it like then? First, there was this wind. So I really believe there was like this rushing wind going through uh, doors or windows or no doors and no windows. But there was this wind that was not natural, that was from God. What's interesting, though, is the word for wind in the Bible, the Greek word as it was originally written, is called pneuma. Pneuma. And that word is the same word for breath as in the breath you and I would take. And it is also the same word for spirit. It is the same word, when it says here the wind came down, it's the same word that was in Genesis 1-2, when it said the spirit of God was over the waters. It is the same word that you would find, um, you biblical scholars, or hopefully you know your Bible more and more, but in Ezekiel 37, where it says the wind of God, the breath of God made old bones new. It's the same word you see going in through Paul's letters when he talks about the old is made new. Wind, breath, spirit, all the same word. And so the breath of God was flooding in, this wind. The spirit of God was coming in. Then there was fire. And this is interesting. They saw tongues like flames of fire. Okay, so if you can imagine, you know, over your head is like this flame, this fire appears out of nowhere. And so there were about 120 there, and each one had a flame over their head. You might say, do you believe this really happened? Yes, I do. I believe it was literal, like visible, not symbolic. Okay, why fire? Why did not burn their head off or something like that? Well, fire in the Bible is a symbol for the presence of God. Those of you who know your Sunday school stories, what happened to Moses in the burning bush? It was on fire. Was the bush burned or consumed? No. Those of you who know your Sunday school stories, uh, the Israelites were led by Moses uh, by a cloud, but also a pillar of fire, okay? Uh, when the temple began, uh, there was uh, believed that uh, uh, the temple of God through the Old Testament, there was this, this fire always that was the presence of God, and people came to that fire to seek God. But here it's different. There was not one fire. There was not a bonfire. You tracking with me? There were individual fires over each individual person, divided. And, you know, I love how God works. Uh, I say no accidents in Christianity. Sometimes y'all see it in your own life, but I see it often in our services. I had no idea what, like, Heidi was 
uh, talking about. And some of you might say, well, you should have an idea. I mean, I kind of did. But the whole puzzle thing, you know, you don't know what folks are going to say. But this deal about the pieces and connect together. I mean, what we just read and the tongues of fire is, is highlighting what Heidi said. Because God is now saying, my presence... The Holy Spirit is in each of you individually. And together, they fit to make the church body. But this is very different, and it should be very good news to you that you have the Spirit of God in you. You don't have to go somewhere to get it. You don't have to go to me or another um, Christian leader or a building. The Spirit of God is in you. That is what this is saying, that it's divided. Jesus said... Luke 3.16, he said very simply, actually John the Baptist said, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So fire was a symbol of the presence of God. And also, if we want to go like real deep, and this may offend some of you, but you know, it is, it's what the Bible says, uh, that Jesus took the fire of God as in God's judgment for all our sins. That's how we can be saved we believe in him. So because of Jesus, we're spared from the fire, okay? But those who don't believe in Jesus will suffer the fire. Read Revelation 21, okay? And so this this idea of fire being the presence of God um, continues uh, throughout the Bible. So there was wind, there was fire. Then there were tongues, okay? Tongues like flames, and then their literal tongues began speaking in different languages. Anybody know another language besides English here? I'm curious. We got a few. Awesome. Awesome. How uh, was it tough to learn another language? Do you really know it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just joking. I mean, like, I've tried to learn French, and now I can say I speak a little broken redneck French, okay? But it, uh, and it's taken, you know, my whole life just to speak broken redneck French, okay? But here, they're like, you know, you know, just like all these languages coming forth. And you could say, do you believe that really happened? Yes. Why? You're like, what's the point? Well, first, I believe it was just a supernatural miracle and just an evidence God wanted to show. It also ties to Scripture. Those of you who know your Sunday school stories, Tower of Babel, what happened then? Different languages began. In Genesis, and he split people up. And here, God is saying, I'm bringing people together. People of vastly different languages. And if you think about it, I mean, really, like French, Spanish, German, those are kind of the easy languages, okay? You know, then you've got like, yeah, I know, Chinese. You know any Chinese yet? Mandarin? That's different, right? (laughs) Yeah, redneck that I am. Chinese and Mandarin? Polish also very different, different. yeah. Bill Moody, multilingual. Yeah. You and your maroon shirt. Good grief. I know. Okay. Okay, okay, stop, stop. Let's get back to the sermon. But all these languages here are coming together, being fused. So this is a reflection of of who we should be. And actually, Moody does, despite the maroon shirt, make a great point. Polish, he adopted a Polish girl because God had called him, adopted two uh, Chinese boys, God had called them. You know. So here you have the global church beginning. 
And they didn't realize at the time, and they were primarily, I think, all Jews. But soon, later in Acts, they would see people of different languages would start coming to know Christ. And these languages that were spoken, you know, different languages, they would be united uh, by the Spirit. And you don't, there, there's something much greater that holds us together as the church, the body of Christ, as citizens of the kingdom, than just a different language. And then last, what was it like? It says in verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I just want to highlight this because uh, these brothers and sisters here, uh, they already knew Jesus. They already believed in Jesus. Uh, They had seen Jesus rise. They had seen him after the resurrection. They had seen him ascend. So, I mean, they were like, in terms of like the solid meter of Christianity, they were pretty solid, okay, in knowing him and believing in him. And yet, this was something different. Like, before this, before Acts 2-4, they were not filled with the Spirit, to this degree at least. You could argue they were, they believed, but they did not have this degree. And I'm saying this to me, so I'm preaching myself here, I'm saying it to you. Because I believe in Jesus, and, and I know Jesus, I have a relationship with Him. And many of you believe in Jesus and know Him. Are we filled by the Spirit? So I'm saying this is something different. This is actually something that can happen after we believe and we know. This is something I desire. Something I desire for you, for us. So what does this mean? What does it look like? What does Pentecost mean now? That's what it was like then. What does it mean now for us? What does this mean, being filled by the Spirit? It means a couple things. It meant it then, it means it now. Uh, It means first... Uh, the glory of God is most important. You know, it's interesting in this, you know, they were here, they had the, the tongues like flames, the fire, the wind, the different languages, and no one or two men or women are highlighted. What's highlighted is the glory of God. Even though there were these individual flames and like the Holy Spirit uh, is in you and like First Corinthians 6, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, all of this stuff, the glory, this is about the glory of God. So what this means for us, and I would really like for you to track with me here, is most important is not me, not you, not another elder, not another deacon, not another leader. It's the glory of God. And I, I ask this of y'all and of us, like, why do we come to church? Uh, often I used to come to church, well, I, maybe I need a shot or, you know, I mean, it's a once a month deal or, Six months, or I'm coming regularly, or I'm being good, I'm checking the box. But really, really, if you get down to like spirit-filled stuff, uh, we're to come to church to see, feel, be a part of, and that the glory of God would be made known. Whether it's two, twenty, two hundred, two thousand, that we're here to express, to communicate, both in Sentences that we speak to one another and songs that we sing the glory of God. That it's, not a, it's, not, it's really not about you. It's not about me, thank God. It's not about, it's about the glory of God. God being made known on this corner through the gifts that he has given us. God being made known in this city through healthy relationships, through working with healthy relationships with other Christian brothers and sisters. God being made known in this world and being inspired, not by anything somebody else says, but inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
Like there is a difference and you can feel it. I know because I've felt it at times. I don't feel it all the time. And I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about just in my life. I wish I had it all the time. We will feel the Spirit's fullness all the time in heaven. But there are things in life, natural circumstances, and we're going to see this in just a moment, where we can be in spiritual depression. We can get out of spiritual depression and be spirit-filled. But the, the main thing is the glory of God. The other thing this means for them then and us now is what I just call world evangelism. The global church. I've already highlighted it, but again, languages and it, all these different uh, countries that he mentions, that, that Luke mentions, ties into Acts 1-8. You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. I'm sure at first they were like, man, you know, what does that mean? And then, you know, moments, hours later, they're speaking in all these different languages. But this does mean, I mean, our call both as a church on the corner and, and any church is to reach both people and neighbors and a city, but also nations. That it is a nation call going to the ends of the earth. Um, a person, a church with a heart for missions, I believe has Jesus' heart. And you're like, is that your opinion? No, I just see it all through scripture. You see it here. So having this heart for nation, and you may be saying, man, you know, that's, that's not me, that's fine. But we can pray for uh, brothers and sisters. I mean, I, I think one of the biggest issues right now globally for Christians is just persecuted Christians, you know, who are, you know, whose churches are ransacked and who, um, you know, who meet underground and threat of death, all that. I mean, that really happens today, you know. And I at least want to do what I can to, to highlight uh, this, but there's, you know, there is something worse. Uh, something worse is unreached people groups who, who live all their life and never hear uh, a word of the gospel or know a Bible or never, never set foot in a radius of a church. And that's really real. And so I've talked about this. I mean, I think one of the calls of, of my life is at least to encourage, to equip, to help reach unreached people groups with the gospel. It's the heart of Jesus. So we pray the spirit field is our heart too. But let's get back to, to you and us and me and here, okay? Get out of the world thing. This means for us, Acts 2, Pentecost, spirit field, it means the resources that you have. The resources that I have. Resources for what? To defend against Satan. Uh, do I believe Satan is real? Yes. Is he like a, a literal person yes does he have a demonic horde yes okay why because it says so in the bible so to defend against Satan, the resources we have is the spirit of god now we are attacked in many ways sometimes there are uh natural attacks through uh thoughts even dreams uh feelings emotions anger lust greed all these things do we call on the holy spirit say fill us with the holy spirit i want to uh, highlight a a hymn. Uh, actually, it was a symphony. Uh, forgive me, a symphony by Gustav. I don't even know if I pronounced that right. There, there's my, my language for the day. I think he's German. Gustav Mahler. And it's titled Symphony of a Thousand. Ties in over a thousand tongues to sing thy great Redeemer's praise. Come, Holy Ghost, creator blessed. Vouchsafe within our souls to rest. 
come with that power, 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 and heavenly aid. And fill the hearts which thou hast made. So, whether you know it or not, the Holy Spirit made you because he's God in Trinity. And now we got fill our hearts, Holy Spirit. Give us rest. Give us your power. Give us your aid. Man, people got problems. I mean, I've got problems. You've got problems. Uh, anxiety. Uh, depression. I mean, both I have battled and, and, and battle. Um, loss of loved ones. Uh, relationship challenges. You know, what do we seek? What are the resources that we seek? Mostly we seek natural resources. We pick up the phone, you know, call a friend, give, give me this word of encouragement. Let me know I'm loved, brother, sister, friend. Or we seek out good works. Let me prove to myself that I'm actually doing okay, <laughs> that I have a life. I'm calling me, I'm calling us to seek the resources that are supernatural. The Holy Spirit. You're like, well, man, that doesn't really work for me. Have you ever tried? Would you try again? Resources. That's what it means. And then also it means restoring people who are broken. Like, where'd you get that out of this? Well, these were broken men and women. They had been hurt. They had hurt one another. They had hurt one another. I mean, John and James... If, if you know your Sunday school stories, they asked to sit next to Jesus in heaven. You know, I'm sure, you know, that brought up some animosity from other disciples. Uh, Peter, they probably still didn't trust Peter. I mean, he denied Jesus, you know. And there was brokenness. And, and these were folks who would, were being hunted. Um, Roman soldiers still trying to kill them. I mean, they, were, they were just broken. And now they were restored. So I'd ask you today, are you broken? Well, I mean, I know the answer to that. We all are broken. How are you broken? Are you, are you being restored? Uh, does your brokenness come through death, loss of a loved one, loss of a relationship, loss of a dream? Loss of a dream for a child? Um, how are you broken? You don't have to answer, but I'd, I'd encourage you to tell how you're broken to the Lord and ask that he restore your soul. And what this means for us today is that he will, because these, these become restored men and women again, who still face brokenness, but they're spirit-filled. And now quickly, just to close up, what's the response we see here? And this gets into the last part of the passage that, that Ernest read. And we'll get into this more next week because it's one long sermon. Uh, and it is a long sermon, actually, that Peter preaches. Um, but the first response is that people mock. People mock then and now. Um, anybody ever been mocked here? And I'm not talking about like just your average normal like bullying in middle school. Um, they're like mocks, mock for your faith. Mockers then, mockers now. Unfortunately, there will always be mockers until Jesus comes again when Satan's fully defeated because it's a big tool of the devil to mock. And they're like, hey, man, they're crazy. You know, those Christians are nuts. You know, give me a break. Um, you know, Bible geeks. 
Um, you know, here they, it's interesting that the mocking is, is turned over here. Here they say, you know, they're, they're drunk on new wine. Now the mocking is off. Oh, they don't drink at all. You know, they're holier than thou. <laughs> the mocking is reversed. So one response to being spirit-filled, and you need to know this, is just you're going to get mocked. You're going to get mocked. And it's not that you need tough skin, you need spirit-filled. You need to find your approval in the Lord. You need to find your, your reason for being in the Lord. You need to have uh, thick, tough skin and a soft heart for that person that mocks you. And you pray for them. And it's hard <laughs> to pray for them, by the way. So one response is always mocking. Another response, though, is a changed man or woman. And we see this with Peter. Peter had, weeks earlier, denied the Lord. Uh, Peter had stumbled. Peter had fallen. Peter had been broken, flat on his face. And and here, this change in Peter is just just continuing to grow. Now he is bold. Uh, Now he is clear. Uh, He begins quoting Scripture. He's been, he's been going into the word. There's a supernatural change. And spirit filled there. Is, I believe with everything I am, this is what happens to Peter. Is, it can happen to you as a man, as a woman. A supernatural change where there's clarity and boldness and just a lack of fear and a trust in God. What this tells me about Peter is one, spiritual depression is possible. Because I don't want to just highlight the good, but I mean, he was spiritually depressed. But it's also possible to get out of that. Okay? So I do believe some of you are spiritually depressed. But the Holy Spirit can get you out of that. I also think that this shows us that backsliding is possible. Peter's come out of it now, but he backslid into a place of of doubt and like shame. But then most of all, it shows that the grace of God covers a lot of sins. Because you and I... As far as I know, we, we hadn't denied Jesus to his face, and Peter did. And yet he is used so mightily by God, you know, throughout Acts and beyond. So much so that when they're putting him to death, he's, he says, I don't want to go the same way. Throw me upside down. So I don't know if his crucifixion was upside down. Change person. Another, another result or response is a, when you're spirit-filled, you look into God's Word. Peter's quoting the scriptures of Joel, and I really encourage us. I mean, I think sometimes it's like, man, I got, and I get this way. It's perfunctory, man, I got I to do my Bible reading today. I can check it off, got nothing out of it. I, I get that. That's why I pray that the Spirit will illumine scripture to illuminate our eyes and that we will we will grasp the connection. History is really his story. And that's why reading all of the Bible, knowing the Bible, and it takes years, decades of life, okay? But don't let that be an excuse. History is his story. And that, that also shows that every day matters. Today matters. Your life matters. The events in your life matter. And then last... It just says the last days. Peter says, in the last days, he quotes scripture. In the last days, the, the prophecy. We're in the last days. Now, I'm not trying to sound hokey pokey. I'm not trying to say like left behind stuff. But 
last days, if you take all of human history, there are thousands upon thousands, 10,000 years. So we've, got, we've been in 2,000 years of the last days. The last days, the church has always believed, is when Jesus ascended to Jesus comes again. So we are in the last days. So most important right now is that we, you, me, people, be right with God. And so I'd ask you, most importantly, are you right with God? I don't want to, you know, to translate that to make it clear, but it's so churchy. I, I sometimes just don't like to say it because it's like we've heard it all. Are you saved? What that really means, are you right with God? How do you get right with God? Jesus Christ. And, and you know this, but only the Holy Spirit, especially for us Bible Belt and Bible believing or church going folks, only the Spirit is going to awaken your heart and say, man, I really, I'm not right with God. I question my relationship. Do I have a relationship with God? I question believing. Am I really a Christian? I'd say, don't let that scare you or intimidate you because that can happen in a moment. It's simple belief in what Jesus has done. But the person who illuminates that, who shines it in your heart, really, truly, fully, it's not me or any other uh, preacher or friend or, or leader. It is the Holy Spirit. And so my plea, my beg, is just like open up your heart to the Spirit of God. I mean, what we sing about, what we talk about, what the Bible is all about, the Spirit of God. God, reveal my heart. Show me. Show me my sin. Show me my error. Show me if I'm not right with you. Show me if I'm not right with somebody else. Make it real. This is, this is Jesus promised us what the Holy Spirit does. And so, so my prayers as we we finish up today is that, man, just the Holy Spirit would, would just truly open your minds and your hearts. And you'd see, and it'd be clear. And yes, you'd follow Jesus. Yes, you'd receive Jesus, but you'd also rely on the Holy Spirit. Because we've got problems here, and I'm not talking about it as a church, but I mean people just have problems and knowing the resources that are available. You may be bankrupt. You may be in just a dead-end job. You may not have a job. You may have had, you know, five divorces. You may have, you know, a child who has just gone astray. So many broken relationships. Where do we go? I believe, and I proclaim, that there's this resource who is a person who loves you, who created you, who made you, and also saves you in the Holy Spirit. He's here now, and I pray desperately now that I, this place would be filled more, and people would be filled more. And you know him. I'm going to ask our, our worship team or whoever's singing, come on up. And as they get ready, I'm also going to ask anybody helping serve communion, come forward. And I know they're coming up, and I know that that can, like, distract you. Don't let it. And I know that, like, in your mind, you're like, well... What's for lunch? And I know some of you can be like, well, this was good or this is okay. But, you know, this is really a better day than Super Bowl Sundays. you got two big games coming up. And I know sometimes can be like, well, I'm here. I'm here for the missions. And I love that world evangelism stuff you said. But, like, committing to a body and like listening 
or singing or making kind of an emotional sacrifice to give. I don't know about that. May God, may you be spirit-filled because there's a lot that, that I want for you. And so it starts with what we're about to do, and that's communion. And we're going to do it differently today. We're going to have open communion. I mean open communion is ushers. Young, sit down. Sit down. Sit down. The usher's not going to direct you. You know, like, well, that's kind of crazy. Do I have to walk by somebody if I feel led? Yeah. Is that going to stop you from going? So open communion is as you feel led by the Spirit, and you may not feel led. I mean, I would say you are. So I'd say if you don't feel led, you may be resisting the Spirit. But open communion, just come as, as you're ready. Or, you know, don't come. It's always an invitation, but here you're not forced. So it is your prompting uh, when you come to the table of the Lord. But I am going to, I want to read a hymn, and then I'm going to shut up and get ready for communion. So there'll be four people down here, two each, and it's open, altars are open. Those who call this church home is the time you can give back to the ministries of the church. We're thankful for your gifts. But it, uh, just follow the leading of the Spirit. If you're wrestling with the Spirit today, don't come forward. I mean, I'm not, I'm not forcing, we don't want to force anything. I, mean, I definitely, we don't want to do anything rote. We're going to be changing up our services a lot over the, the next year. But I just want to be Spirit-filled, just open to the Holy Spirit. So listen to this hymn. It's written by Joseph Hart. And it's just called, Come, Holy Spirit, Come. Come, Holy Spirit, Come. Let thy bright beams arise. Dispel the darkness from our minds and open all our eyes. Clear our despondent hearts, thou heavenly paraclete. Give us to lie with humble hope at our Redeemer's feet. Convince us of our sin. Then lead us to Jesus' blood. And to our wondering view reveal the secret love of God. Dwell therefore in our hearts, our minds from bondage free. Then we shall know and praise and love the Father, Son, and Thee. I ask you to pray with me. Uh, God, I just fill this place on Sundays and all days with your spirit. Forgive us when we resist your spirit. Forgive me when uh, I let myself fall prey to depression or anxiety or questioning. Forgive those who do the same here. Forgive us when we hurt one another. Forgive us when we don't look to you for our hurts. Forgive us when we rely on ourselves and how good we are. And don't see the greatest good that is you, that is so available. Free us, save us, heal us, redeem us by the power of your spirit. It's all real. It's all here. Um, Let us feel it. Let us see it. Now, and if, if people don't now, later today or tomorrow, whenever, but come Holy Spirit, come. Spirit of Christ, make yourself known. In your name, Jesus, amen.